Good evening. Welcome to Second Congregational Church of Greenwich. I'm Reverend Sean Guerin. That was Ellie Strathy singing. We've been doing this for a while, huh? Yeah. All right. And I saw a bunch of guys at CVS earlier clogging one particular lane. Because tomorrow is Mother's Day, so happy early Mother's Day uh, to all the moms out there. We all come from our mothers. No, no debates where we came from. And whether good or bad, or everything in between, they brought you here and gave us all a shot at this thing called life. So make sure tomorrow you say, in some way, I love you. And don't be like those guys going to CVS tomorrow morning. <laughs> it's always packed, and I can tell you from experience, they never have. They have the, like, the card that nobody wanted. So, And happy Mother's Day to the Holy Spirit. She is the spirit who breathed life in us in Genesis, and she's the spirit that still today, for all of human history, She's been guiding us from the inside, inside of us. She gives to the world and asks nothing in return. But she hopes, she hopes that you and I find our way in this life. And if you have ears to hear, I'm sure she'll speak to you today. So we've been studying the Gnostic Gospels found in 1945, and we are currently in part five of our series on the Gospel of Truth, written in the second century. The Bible was put together went in the fourth century. So we're going back, back to the time when even the Bible, the Gospels and letters were written. The early church fathers were, unfortunately, very controlling of early... You, you guys don't... Didn't, you've never met a church that's very controlling, right? There's no such thing. But back then, they were very controlling, and they, they were afraid that people would interpret Scripture for themselves. They actually, at one point, got so afraid of people defiling communion that priests would eat it for the congregation... <laughs> They, didn't want, they wanted to make sure, because they didn't kind of trust the everyday person. They might be unholy. But we know that everybody has a little light and dark in them, so even the priests. So they did their very best. They succeeded for a long time to hide the books that we're looking at today. We're, the, we're like the only church that's ever done this. One of their charges towards groups like this uh, Valentinus, the guy who wrote the Gospel of Truth, one of their charges, one of the things that they said about them was that they were too ascetic, too strict. And also on the other side, that they were too libertine, too immoral. See, when you don't understand something, when you want to lobby against something that you don't like, Name-calling and slanderous terms get said. But fortunately, we found the Gnostic texts, and we don't have to read 
those books, we don't have to read about the gospel of truth through the lens of other people. See, we now get to read them on our own. And that's what we're doing here at church. If there's anything you don't like about them, remember I had a packing party in one of my circles, just get rid of it. Just, if you don't like it, move it. And if you like it, you keep it. That's what we're doing. That's all we're doing here at Saturday Night Church. Because if there is truth in it, then maybe Christ wanted to offer us more freedom. More freedom. The opportunity to live out that fruit of the Spirit. Do you know that there's a fruit of the Spirit called self-control? If somebody's controlling you, then guess what you're not doing? You're not practicing a fruit of the Spirit. Self-control. Today we will look at a section from the Gospel of the Truth and see a morality. Do you know it's possible to have morality that's not rooted in guilt and shame? We're going to see a morality rooted not in guilt and shame, but rather in personal responsibility. I encourage you to go on Amazon. I know, Jackie, you've done this already. and so Others have too. I hope they'll send me some, some uh, check for, for selling these books. <laughs> but uh, you should get a copy. There's a full book of all the books they discovered at Nag Hammadi, uh, but there's some, there's some extras in there, like the Gospel of Mary, Gospel of Thomas. Uh, and it's, it's called the Gnostic Gospels by Barnstone and Meyer. That's a good scholarly, academic, trusted source. Then you can use my sermons, not as a mandate, like you have to live like this, but if you're reading and you go, oh, I don't understand this part, you'll say, oh, Sean explained this, and, and it gives me some help. So let's dive in. Let's dive into this next part. If you know your history, or maybe you've seen that movie Gladiator with Russell Crowe and Joaquin Phoenix, then you'll remember the Stoic philosopher and Roman emperor Marcus Aurelius. <coughs> and he, do you know he actually happened to rule at the same time as the author Valentinus? And he wrote in his journal titled Meditations. You could buy this too. It's called Meditations, and he wrote this. I love this quote. Actually, Ashley said, can you read that this morning? It, it's inspiring. She always has to hear my sermons before. I'm sorry. At dawn, when you have trouble getting out of bed, tell yourself, I have to go to work. As a human being, I have to go to work. Not for my boss. Not because... Mom or dad, because it's my duty. He says, what do I have to complain of? If I'm going to do what I was born for, the things I was brought into the world to do, or is this what I was created for? To huddle under the blankets and stay warm? The Gospel of Truth, a book discovered in 1945 that dates back to the second century, as I've said, gives us insight into what early Christianity really thought about Jesus. Is it strange that some of the Gospel of Truth sounds like some of what the emperor Stoic uh, teacher was saying? Isn't it true that popular culture does influence our thoughts? See, this was a more Greek, a more Roman text 
their way of viewing Jesus would have been in light of their world. So we're going to get a look into like the, the Roman, when the Christians moved to Rome, how they thought of Jesus, how they would have viewed him. They would have incorporated Jesus and Christianity into their worldview. We call that Hellenization. It's kind of like Americanization. But it's called, the Greek uh, way is Hellenization. And what Valentinus presents, at least for me, is a more practical reason, and if you read the Gospel of Truth, you'll see this, a more practical reason for why there is evil in this world. A parishioner asked me that one time. They said, why is there evil? Why would God allow evil in this world? Well, if you listen to the past sermons, we're hearing a legitimate reason. I'll further explain. I'll go back to that in a sec. But instead of blaming a fairy tale creature like Satan, oh, Satan made me do it. He's right here on my shoulder. You see him? No, he's not there. Because that's a symbolic, symbol, symbolic of something where? That's happening inside of us. That's what the gospel truth is getting at. That this is everything we're talking about is symbolic of something going on inside. And these stories, even the Bible stories, are giving us imagery that we can work on it, that we can see it. But to take it literally makes it like this, like a mythical Satan made me do it. (laughs) Valentinus teaches us that Jesus really saw the world's problems as being rooted in error and ignorance. That makes sense. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 through 5, he says, my message, he writes to the Corinthians. Where were the Corinthians? Up by Rome. He says, my message and my preachings were not with wise and persuasive words. That's what they were used to. Not with worldly wisdom, Paul writes, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. That's what Paul writes. Because what Paul wanted us to know, what Valentinus wants us to know, is that Jesus brought an awareness to God's power that was already in the world. It was already there. And he charges religion and worldly wisdom, just like Jesus did, as being the reason why human beings have strayed and found themselves living in error and ignorance. We can't blame mythical creatures for the evil in the world. You know what happens? Then we don't fix them. Then we're praying that God would take away the mythical creatures, but that's not the problem. Rather, we need to just see that our vision is based on a lack of perspective. That's why the world is broken. It's just that they don't see the whole thing. Something's missing in our understanding because we haven't seen the full picture. So while wisdom and religion has helped us, and I can't deny that, it has helped us, it has had, we have to, a touch of ignorance and error in the mix, influencing us in a partially correct direction but still keeping us off course. When I was in college, a professor brought a batch of chocolate chip cookies in once. What a treat, I thought. Oh, what a, what a nice teacher. He passed them around, and I took a bite. They were disgusting. 
Now, I was trying to be polite, so I took another bite, but thought, yeah, these are officially the most disgusting cookies I've ever had. But I didn't want to say anything, so I did that move where you just, like, put it to the side, cover it with a napkin. I thought I'd just keep quiet and get rid of it when I could and pretend I enjoyed it. But I looked around, and I saw that I wasn't alone. Everyone had this look of disgust in in their face. Everyone was not happy with the cookies either. The professor proceeded to give us a lesson in how things may look just right, but one ingredient can ruin everything. He then told us that he had intentionally added too much salt to the dough, making the cookies taste really bitter. And he wondered why, when we knew something was wrong with the cookies, good professor, (laughs) why did we keep eating them and not say a word? Personally, I didn't want to offend the teacher. He was the one in power. He can give me a grade. And it came out that we all wanted to be so polite, so we didn't say anything. I never forgot this lesson on how we just go along with things sometimes. Even when we know it's off. Just not that. I guess I could deal with this bad cookie. How we don't speak up, especially when there might be consequences. This is what worldly wisdom and religion is like. It looks great most of the time. 95% of the time. But 5%, the 5% that's off, causes things like corruption. We saw this in the Catholic Church at a massive level. I love the Catholic Church. 95% of what the Catholic Church is great, what it does. But because they didn't speak up and talk about the 5% that was off, this happens in government, in all institutions. Things like corruption, injustice, exploitation, and the like. All things, it can cause major problems. And now the whole thing has been soured, right? The whole lot. See, worldly wisdom will always fail if it doesn't consider the inner wisdom. The Spirit's wisdom planted into us. It's innate. And Christ brought it to new life when he came. It lies deep within us, deep in the human psyche. In the Gospel of Truth, written by Valentinus, it's not a gospel. It's not like the fifth gospel. It's like a sermon, a commentary on the gospels. It's written to clarify the gospel narratives of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because they were fishermen. Did any of them really understand Jesus? To the very end, they're confused by him. What Valentinus clarifies is he wants us to see that Jesus came to wake us up. That's why Jesus came, to wake us up. He wanted us to stop offloading our spirituality into the religion. You know those Christians who say, "I, I went to church. And they're like the meanest people you've ever met. 
because it has to come from within. Jesus knew that it was necessary for each individual to find spirituality themselves. They had to find God. The priest can't do it for you. And so he led people, where did did Jesus lead people to church? No, he led them in the wilderness, away from the church. And he got, you know why he got got, uh, brought up on charges of? He was preaching the destruction of the temple. (laughs) But that was symbolic. Jesus is the parable guy, right? He's always talking in metaphors. He's not really preaching that that the temple. We love our church. But we know that God isn't in this building. God is in us. And where do we go? When we come in, we bring God with us. (laughs) And God's out there too. See, Jesus just was speaking symbolically because back then that's how they really viewed everything. See, what he really meant when he was talking about, let's get rid of this temple, was that once we see that God is not the actual temple, not the actual church, then we'll come to see where the living sanctuary is, where God really lives, the one in our hearts and in our minds. Imagine how great church would be if we didn't expect God to be here, but we were all carrying God with us here. What a different church that would be. God lives in here, and God lives in here. Not in a stone box or a graven image. No idol. John 1 says that the word, the logos, came into the world and became flesh. The word logos means truth, meaning, and purpose. Jesus comes to bring truth and purpose. Isn't that what's missing in this world today? Truth and purpose. He comes to bring meaning to the world. And this is the meaning. This is the meaning. That you, and you can find this, if you open up John 1, this is me, this is my summary of John 1. The meaning is that you would wake up and realize what you really are. You're not just a mortal. You are a child of God. A child of the light. That's what you really are. See, if you're sleeping, what are you a child of? The darkness. (laughs) When you open your eyes, what are you then? A child of the light. It's not mystical. It's real. This is why Paul writes, I read this last week, wake up from your sleep, arise from your coffins, and then you'll have eternal life. This is why Jesus tells the teacher of the law, Nicodemus, that he has to be born again. Out of his old religion, he has to wake up from the old way of thinking about God and buildings and rituals. His old way of thinking. That's what he had to be born again from. And Nicodemus said, how am I going to go back in my mom's belly? Jesus said, you're the teacher of Israel? Oh, my God. And so Jesus wakes up the world. That's what Jesus is. He's a wake-up call. He resurrects us and gives us birth, new birth now. Surprise. Jesus resurrects us 
now, out of the sleep. Paul writes, I die every day, and I'm born again every day. It's all symbolic. I go to sleep, and I die, and then I'm born again, resurrected. I come back to life. That's how this works. Got to move out of these coffins of old thinking by teaching us. This is what Christ wanted to teach us to create our own meaning. That's why he left. He left religion behind. That's what he, that's what he was doing. That's his whole ministry was, let's move to a new ministry, a new way of looking at this. So he found his own meaning. He created his own meaning rather than the one that religion and worldly wisdom assigns to us. You'll be this, you're that, you're in this class, you're in that class, you're that color, and you're this color. Do you think God sees that? God's eyes are open. He sees the Holy Spirit within us, the spirit of life. And this happens when we wake up and tell the day. Have you ever told the day what's going to happen? Or does the day tell you what's going to happen? This is the difference. This is the perspective. This is what it means to be a Christian. You want to hear what it sounds like to be a Christian? You say this in the morning. Last night I fell asleep, but today, I'm telling you today. Today, I'm awake. I'm awake right now. I've been born again. I believe what Jesus says. I was born again today, into the day. And what will I make of it? That's what a Christian says. Not what will the day make of me. Jesus walked on the storms. The storms didn't even wake Jesus up from his sleep. That's how powerful he had his mindset. Today I will move one step closer. You know why most of society, I mean I study psychotherapy. Do you know why everybody's depressed? Because they're not achieving something they know they can personally do. They're the obstacle. So what if this is what a Christian would say? Today I will move one step closer to something, to something, a passion, a goal, a desire, or a dream. Today I'm going to live for my children, my spouse. That's why I'm going to work. Not for my boss, not for the money. I'm going there for my family. That's my reward. That's my pay. Today I'm going to learn what love is at all costs, even if it hurts me, even if I only slept five hours last night. The bed isn't going anywhere, is it? It'll be there, trust me. (laughs) Today I am living so that I can contribute something meaningful to the world. You must tell the day. You must tell this life why you are alive each day. Otherwise, you'll be subject to its will rather than the other way around. Why? Why do I have to live like that, Sean? Well, that's so much responsibility. Why? Is this not what God does every day? Does not God wake up each day and give back? Do you think God is laying in a cloud having the angels serve him hand and feet? Do you think God's waiting to be worshipped? Is he that shallow? God is the one worshipping creation. 
God is the one on his hands and knees, worshiping, turning on the light, cleaning everything, making sure everything the earth is spinning. God is worshiping us. Isn't that what parents do to their children? They love and they serve them. They're devoted, devoted to them. Even when it hurts. God lost his own son in the process. Because of love. God loves this world. Look, is there anything like it even in this solar system? There's nothing green out there. We're all trying to go to Mars. Why don't we just try to keep this place nice? (laughs) Because God loves this world. And why does God love this world? Because we're in it. We're in it. And are we not God's children? Should we not join God in loving the world too? Jesus once said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. That's the kindest way to say, nobody's helping me. (laughs) Somebody help, please. We have been learning through the gospel of truth. And everything I'm saying is colored by what I've been reading in the gospel of truth. That life isn't meant to serve us. We're meant to serve life. That's the precious thing. When we do this, you will come alive. You will come alive. And you'll wake up. You'll be wide awake. The first lesson I learned in macroeconomics in college was this. This is what the professor said. Human beings act out of self-interest. That's the first That's the number one thing you need to know. See, that's what our whole system, that's all the world's wisdom. That's what they teach. That's what we do. Look out for yourself. And that kind of wisdom has turned against itself. We're seeing that happen right before our eyes today. We are not individual organisms. We are an ecosystem of life. But Jesus comes to wake us up out of this selfish living. That's why he calls us together. He doesn't call you alone. Hey, become a Christian and go by yourself. <laughs> calls you into community. Where did, when he found God, what did he do? He found 12 disciples and yeah, many more. In the Gospel of Truth, the passage we're, that we're focusing on today, and when you go home and read this, you'll find it. It says this. Speak concerning the truth to those who seek it and of knowledge to those who in error have missed the mark. That's the translation for sin. They just made a mistake. They're missing the mark. They don't see it clearly. See, Valentinus opens saying, not everyone will want to hear what Jesus is teaching. That's the truth. Here, do you want to hear it? That You know the problem? of this world is us. <laughs> We're the problem. The ants aren't making any problems. The worms aren't. The birds aren't. The whales aren't. The trees aren't. There's only one culprit here. That's what, let's get rid of Jesus. That's what they said. <laughs> let's get rid of this guy. He keeps blaming. He blamed himself and, and he took it upon himself, right? And he did something about it. 
And then he went and told the truth, and what happened? People don't like the truth sometimes. Until you hear it, keep living in error and ignorance, right? That's that's the moral of the story. Human beings are the ones responsible. Nothing else is polluting the earth. We're responsible because we're asleep. We're asleep to our error, asleep to our ignorance. Our slowness in reacting to the obvious issues. Obvious. I don't I know I gotta wear a mask. I don't even need Dr. Fossey to tell me. Do I want to? No. If I was selfish, I wouldn't. But Jesus taught me something different. That all of our problems are rooted in self-interest. Valentinus continues, Make sure-footed those who stumble and stretch out your hands to the sick. Last week, the President of the United States had to undo the worldly wisdom of our economic system to help those in India get access to the vaccine by lifting an IP ban, an intellectual property ban, that prohibited the United States from sharing the the recipe for the vaccine. Like, now's not the time. <laughs> like, yes, I love intellectual property, but now's not the time. We've got to fix this world, right? There's a problem. It's an emergency. Do you think he was going to do it because he's a nice guy? Do you know why they lifted the IP ban? Do you know hundreds of lobbyists are making the government hold to that IP ban? Someone else came. I'll tell you who she is, who it is. It's the spirit. Remember that other wisdom we're talking about? The spirit inside of humanity cried out so loud and said, we got to help the sick. And they made the government undo that. They lifted it. So I hope that they get some help. But they weren't going to do that on their own. Worldly wisdom says, we've got to protect our own. But the human spirit says, you're all mine. <laughs> you're not your own. You're all mine. That's what God says. These early Christians were big on ethical living. Big on it. It was the whole thing. They didn't, they actually, they don't just sit and pray. People are tired of that, right? Thoughts and prayers. They got involved. And so must we. See, Jesus teaches real change, not mystical like woo-woo. Earlier this week, you were in the group chat. I texted the youth group kids and said, research a charity, a responsible charity that's giving relief to COVID in India, and I will donate, send, send me a text, and I will send $25 from our church in your, on your behalf. That's I said, we're not going to pray for India. We're going to pay for India. <laughs> we're going to help them. Actual help. Valentinus teaches us further. Nourish the hungry. And set at ease those who are troubled. Raise up and awaken those who sleep. You are the misunderstanding that seizes you. See? 
we are to misunderstanding. We don't understand our whole selves. If I'm a spirit, mind, and body, and just take care of my mind and body, am I neglecting somebody in this house? (laughs) My spirit. If I just take care of my body and neglect my, my mind, what happens? I suffer, right? If I just take care of my mind and don't take care of my body, I suffer. There needs to be a whole picture, full integration, full understanding, full picture. So, you know what's in you already. I'm not saying anything that you don't already know. You already know this. But maybe some of us are sleepy in certain areas. See, true bravery, true courage is to wake up. That's, that's why anybody could be a hero to me. Anybody could be a hero. So don't blame others for your problems. I have found more often than not, I am the problem. <laughs> I am the one that's wrong. And with those that are not aware of this truth, I demonstrate patience. Because I know what it is to sleep. Waiting for them to wake up to. Valentinus says, if the strong follow this course, they are even stronger. So turn your attention to yourself. Isn't that what Jesus taught? Oh, look, that person has a speck of dust in their eye, and you're walking around like this. He says, take the plank out of your own. That's how Jesus said we'll fix this world. That's how. When we wake up, isn't it ignorance and error to point out errors in people's faces when you, you can't see? That's what Jesus is saying. Take care of yourself. So Valentinus is saying the same thing. That if only we would take some time to listen to the divine spark inside each of us, the world would transform into a literal Garden of Eden. I'm not even kidding. And it would be filled with every fruit that comes from the Spirit. It starts with us, with you and I. We know this. I'm not saying anything any wise person has not already said. And you know what I've been thinking lately? In light of all this new perspective on Jesus, that the work, you know, churches are going to have to reinvent themselves a little bit now. So maybe the work that we can begin doing in 2021 and beyond is to help cultivate that inner voice. Like, what if that was the mission? To cultivate a divine spark in each human being. To help you when weeds fill the garden, right? Weeds are always fill the garden. That's... And when trouble weighs heavy on your heart. I believe that another, you know what they called a revival back in the 18th, a great awakening. What are we talking about? Awakening. <laughs> they called it, the, we had two great awakenings. I think we tie, maybe, maybe we're due for another one. And maybe in this time, churches would begin to focus on mental health. Isn't that really a lot of what people are suffering? Mental health? And holistic living. 
going for walks together, hiking, cooking, gardening. Let's promote healthy living together because we've been so cooped up. So maybe that, that could be the church's plan for, for when we come out of this, this crisis. So Valentinus continues on teaching that we are the change agents of the world. You and I are the change agents. If we remain asleep, you're a demonic agent of ignorance and error. If you're not going to get up and help. If you wake up, here's the good news. You're, an, you're literally an angel. An angel of truth and light. Have you seen any real angels? You are the angel. I've seen so many angels in this church when I go in the kitchen and they're preparing for Pacific House. I've seen angels, but not ones with wings. <laughs> I, see, I hear angels when Alexander or Ellie sing. How, don't you see it? We can become God's children. If we wake up and live in the light of truth, that's in us. Not doctrine or dogma or empty rituals and traditions. Just like, like those cookies, just going along. Oh, God, I don't even like this, but I go every, every time. Just going along. I don't like the politics. I don't like this. I don't like how they treat this person. I, I, I don't like that talk. It's such a waste of time. I like to do something. If we wake up and look in the mirror each day, and my wife will tell you, I do this, it's weird. <laughs> but it's the best pep talk. Best pep talk. I give myself the best pep talks. There's Jesus. There's the light of the world right there. There's the joy of God right there in the mirror. Christ alive. Not at church. Not in an old book. But in me. Who would have thought Christ is alive in me and you? See, remember I've been teaching about a living book? A living Bible? See, if we did that, then you and I would be the Word made flesh. We become the Bible. Nobody even reads the Bible, but they'll read you when they experience you because you'll be the light and you'll be patient and kind and loving because you know not everybody is awake. It's hard to wake up. It's not easy. I don't look in the mirror every day and say that, but when I'm awake, See, then Jesus will really live on for eternity through us and not in some kingdom, in a dimension. Heaven's not doing anything for me right now <laughs> because heaven is in me and needs to come out. Then it will do something for this world. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth kingdom out of me valentinus was a roman christian a 
a Roman, you're an American Christian. And I know actually we have a lot of people, international now, everybody can hear our messages. But Valentinus was a Roman Christian. And he brought Jesus' teachings to the masses in early Christianity. And we're looking at his works today to see a message that I think speaks right into our context. Right into our everyday lives. Valentinus didn't teach in churches. You know where he taught? Like most early Christian teaching began? In living rooms. Teaching people how to live in everyday life. He was more concerned with everyday ethics than he was with establishing churches and colonizing the world. He knew where the real church was, where the real colonizing needed to begin. In here. That's where the real house of God is. So we come in these stone buildings. Don't think I don't like the church. I work for the church. I just think a perspective a fuller perspective of what we could be doing needs to be integrated, needs to be seen and lived out. See, and this is what churches, I think, should be. Buildings where we come and learn. Schools of thought. That's what they called the Valentinians, school of thought. Where free speech and communities organized around the pursuit of truth and life that promote personal responsibility, personal responsibility, and a godly awareness. For like the old hymn says, we're prone to wander. So it's nice to have a place that reminds us. So my charge this week, and likely for all the days ahead, will be the same charge I give myself each day. Saying what Marcus Aurelius taught as Paul taught in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14. I just like how the emperor, the emperor of Rome, who could have laid around all day doing nothing, serve me, serve me. And when he ruled, they think they called it the Pax Romana, a time of peace in Rome. He wanted to work towards a better world, and he used his power to try to do that. I return to that quote that I said at the beginning, summing up what Valentinus taught us today. At dawn, when you have trouble getting out of bed, this happens every day, right? <laughs> Tell yourself, I have to go to work. Oh, I'm you're not retired. Retire has the word tired in it. Don't get retired every day. You're not too young. And you're not too busy. You just have perspective. At dawn, when you have trouble getting out of bed, tell yourself, I have to go to work as a human being. What do I really have to complain about? If I'm going to do the work I was born for, the things I was brought into the world to do, or is this what I was created for? To huddle under the blankets, stay warm. Let us awake from the dream that life, dream that life and the world should serve us. Let's awake from that dream 
That's a nightmare. <laughs> we'll return to that place soon enough. <laughs> May we serve the world. That is the way. That is the truth. And that is the life that Jesus Christ taught his disciples back then. And it is what we continue to teach here at Second Congregational Church of Greenwich, Connecticut. Amen.